Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello there, listeners. Hope you're well. You are tuned into yet again another episode in the collaboration of the Beautiful Game podcast and Eurosport. As ever, I'm your host, Budge. And I'm joined by my two faithful co-conspirators, <laughs> uh, Dot and Pete from Eurosport. Gents, how are we doing? Very I'm, good. I'm well, I'm well. Great stuff, great stuff. Now, of course, um, we are recording this off the back of the, the latest round of fixtures. Uh, I mean, we, we all certainly enjoyed the uh, France versus Germany game, which uh, most certainly lived up to expectations. And we're, of course, going to cover that off um, in, in this uh, particular episode, as well as a few other uh, talking points that we absolutely uh, need to cover. Um, and I think the best place for us to start is with um, you know records being broken on the international stage, and and when it comes to the international stage, there is one particular player that you you can look to you know to continue breaking records, and 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 I think you know with the goals that he um, scored uh, in 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 his game in, in Portugal's game most recently, uh, he has broken another one and is on the cusp of another. Uh, record and that is of course Cristiano Ronaldo who um, scored his tenth and eleventh goals at the at the um, at the uh, Euros um, in Portugal's game against Hungary um, and with the eleventh goal um, now is the, the 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 player who scored the most goals uh, in the tournament his, in the tournament's history and he also now has appeared in more major international men's tournaments than any other player in European history. Um, I mean, we can go into the game uh, a little bit because I actually thought that the scoreline flattered Portugal a little bit because it was nip and tuck and quite close right up until, what, the 80th minute. And then, it, you know, 10 mi uh, minutes of madness and, and, and Portugal managed to score those three goals. But let's start off with, with, with um, um, Ronaldo. And, and we're going to go to you, Pete. I mean, what else can we say about the, the man? You know, what else is there left for him to accomplish on, on, on the international stage? Yeah, I think everything that's been said about him has been said. And I think, it's for, and nowadays, I think the goal scoring, it almost isn't really a surprise. It's just, it's the fact that he is still doing it. It's the longevity that he's showing at, at 37 years of age. It's just utterly remarkable. And it's, 
if the only thing I can really compare it to is Tom Brady in the NFL, like to be able to be playing at the top level. I mean, the guy was just the top scorer in Serie A. Like, I know Juventus had a really bad season, but he was the top scorer in Italy. And now he's coming in. He looked like a really good bet to be top scorer in the Euros. He's broken all the records, as you said. And I think he's realizing as well now that a lot of this, a lot of these Portuguese players who we were talking about for the last three or four years, this sort of golden generation, they're really starting to come through. And I think any sort of idea about 2016 being the last hurrah for Portugal and Ronaldo is absolutely nonsense because I think this team is good enough to compete now and next year in Qatar. I don't think they're necessarily outright favourites in either tournament, but they are good enough to make a run. And that's all you really need in a tournament like this. And a lot of these players are only going to get better. And that's the scary thing. And if Ronaldo keeps himself in the shape that he is in, what change is there going to be between this year and next year in terms of his performance? I mean, he's not going to get much slower. He's already lost a lot, a bit of pace, obviously, but he's completely reinvented himself to be one of the best penalty box poachers in the world. So really you're looking at it in terms of the next year and maybe even beyond that. Like, he's not His game isn't going to go anywhere else, really. He's still got all the tools you need to be an elite goal scorer. It's remarkable. Yeah, 100%. And you know what? It, it reminds me, Dot, I'm sure you remember when we interviewed Rio Ferdinand on our podcast on the beautiful game. Um, when, when we asked him about Ronaldo, one of the things that he mentioned is that, you know, whenever they're speaking on the phone or they're, they're in conversation, the things that he still obsesses about and the things that, you know, he finds frustrating and the, and, and, and the level that he's, uh, been able to perform at so consistently over the years and what he's managed to to win all the accolades you know he still remains as as hungry as ever as though he hadn't won all of those things and all those trophies and all those individual accolades um and he's still so desperate to continue to do it game in game out week in week out and you know i, I also saw um, a, a meme doing the rounds on on, on social media which was um, showing how frustrated he was at uh, the uh, uh, the press conference, the fact that they they um, uh, was was giving him coke instead of uh, um, instead of water, like just stuff like that. You know, he he understands what it takes to be at the elite level and to stay there, and he is obsessive about even the smallest things. You know, and and you can see that when he's on the pitch, the fact that the guy is in such great shape at thirty six years of age to still, you know, have the physique that he has, to still be able to push your body to the limits that he's able to, is just testament to his hard work and, and, and dedication and commitment. Yeah, definitely. There's not much more to add. Cristiano Ronaldo, you know, one of the greatest players I've ever witnessed on a football pitch. And I think he will want to be the best until he retires. It's just as simple as that. He's mm -hmm. going to try to perform to the best level possible. He's going to keep scoring goals. And I know Pete said he's lost, you know, a bit of pace. But when I look at him, he still looks fast. Oh, yeah, no, for sure. Of, he still mm. looks fast. And no, he's no, he's that quick. goal, you know, the, the second goal where he just showed that turn of pace to get in behind the defence and round the goalkeeper and score a goal. So, I mean, what he's done for football, little kids, they just all look up to him. I mean, the way he's changed the game, him and Messi, in terms of goals and assists, making sure each season, 40 goals, it's so hard to do. And for him to do that for so long just shows you what greatness really is. And that's why I say sometimes we have to be careful when we say this player is the closest player to X or this player is going to be as good as X because Cristiano Ronaldo has done it for 15, 16 years. 
These players that were hyping up, yeah, they, they may come on the scene, burst on the scene, have one good season. But the difference between good and great is consistency. And the one thing about Cristiano Ronaldo is that he's been consistent for over 10 years now. And that's what puts him up there as one of the greatest players ever to play the game. It's the Robert Lewandowski thing, isn't it? Like Lewandowski over the last two or three seasons has gone to like an elite level. Like He is one of the best players in the world. But it's only happened over the last two or three years. Up until that point, he was very much, he was still a tier one player, obviously, but he was not tier 1A like Messi and Ronaldo are. And I, mm. I think you're right. Like those two have changed the way we perceive football and they've, Raise the bar to raise the bar to a level that I don't think anyone else is going to reach for a while. Yeah, absolutely. And um, of course, staying on the topic of um, of breaking records, we're gonna we're gonna move on now and speak about some of the wonder goals that have been scored already already this early on in the in the tournament. And if they are a sign of things to come, then we're in for some some real entertainment um, in in this tournament. Um, and let's start off with the the goal that should have gone to uh, Robert Mack of Slovakia, but unfortunately um, <laughs> goes down as a, a, a Wojciech Szczesny own goal. Um, and in 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 scoring that goal, Szczesny becomes the uh, first goalkeeper to score an own goal in European Championship history. And 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 I mean, it, it is a bit uh, disappointing because of the fact that the, the the solo effort from Robert Mack and, and the Maisie run, you know, it deserved a, a, a goal, right, for, 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 for him. And I'm just worried that in years to come, you know, now it's still fresh in the memory, but in years to come, will his solo effort be forgotten because of the fact that it goes down as a Wojciech Chesney own goal? I'm, I, I'm, I'm not particularly <laughs> sure, but what, what are your thoughts, Doc? I'm going to be a bit of a party pooper here, but I think it was really bad goalkeeping from Chesney. Um, mm. amazing solo run, you know, mm. beat two or three players. But I think Chesney should be covering his near post, if I'm being totally honest. I don't think the shot was the most ferocious. I don't think it was mm. right in the corner. I think the goalkeeper could have could have, and should have done better. And obviously, for it to still go back in was probably unfortunate. But it's a terrific run. But at the end of the day, it's an own goal. I'm not, I can't tell you it's, it's a terrific mm. goal by Mac because it's been registered as an own goal it was a great run it was great bit of play it's great bravery to even decide to do a decisive action like that and I give him credit for that but in terms of the actual goal unfortunately it's a Chesney own goal but a terrific piece of play from Matt yeah I don't think it, I, I, I sort of agree with Dot here I don't know if we're, <laughs> we're, we're being the negative party here but I sort, of, <laughs> I, I, sort, I sort of think that like the great goals are the ones where Everything is great about it. And right, like, right. And like, right, I think right. I think the Matt goal, like he did everything. And I know I'm being harsh here, super duper harsh, but he could have just stuck it in the far corner. Like he didn't, <laughs> he, didn't have to, he didn't have to go near post. Like he didn't have to go near post. So like as Doss said, it was an unbelievable run. Like his great skill and like huge credit. Hazard esque, you know, yeah, we've exactly. seen Hazard do that in the Premier League. Yeah. But but yeah, I just I just think like it, it, it's not it's not gonna be looked at. Mm. In a month, in a month's time, as the as the best ten goals of the tournament, like you, you're not going to see it in that in that Euro 2020 compilation mm. highlight. Uh, fair, fair play, fair play. Um, another goal that was scored that broke a record was uh, that of Patrick Schick for um, Czech Republic. You know, um, against Scotland, the the Schick stunner, as it's being dubbed. 
Uh, 49.7 yards. So the furthest distance a goal has been scored at the Euro since the records began. And for me, it was just, it's the, the reaction time and the speed of thought. So he saw David Marshall off his line, as well as the fact that he was being closed down by um, Grant Hanley, I think it was. And it's the, it's the, you, when you're looking at the goal from all of the different angles, it's, it's the, it's the, it's just everything combined. I mean, that certainly has to be in, you know, as, as you said, Pete, at the end of the tournament, the top 10 goals scored at the Euros, that's got to be right now. That's got to be number one, surely. I think it'll be number one at the end of the day. I just think it's such an absurd goal. And I think, I think, again, obviously goalkeepers are union on this side of the call. So, I don't think there's any blame you can put on David Marshall. I think he's doing the right thing. He's sweeping up. He's looking for that ball over the top. And actually, I think watching football over the last sort of four to five years or so, I think I've seen more of those attempts than I did before that because goalkeepers are playing at a higher line now. But we don't see these goals all the time, which shows you how hard it is to do what Patrick Schick did. I mean, the picture that described it, that shows it best is when it's the picture from behind Schick and it's him and Hanley, and then the ball is off over there. And the angle towards the goal is ridiculous. The ball's like five metres to the left of the, of the goal. And that shows how much curl you had to put on it, as well as getting the dip on it. And I think players will keep trying that because it is, it's a really good opportunity to catch goalkeepers out. And goalkeepers will keep sweeping. They'll keep playing high lines. Nothing will change there. But it is such an absurdly difficult thing to do. And it is, it is a once in a sort of generational type thing and I don't like you You talk about these goals still today like Beckham or like, I don't know some of the other ones that we've seen like you talk about them because they used to, you never see them and they're so hard to do and normally those sort of goals come when a keeper's come off his line to either clear a ball out or to go up for a corner or free kick right at the depth to do it when like in the middle of a match when the goalkeeper is still within his penalty box like it wasn't as if he was like miles out it's just such an impressive thing to do. And I can't see... It's going to take something ridiculously special to beat that out for top spot, I think. Yeah, no, no, 100%. And I think, you know, so, uh, Patrick Schick is, is is one of those players, and I, we'll, we'll probably go into to this when we're talking about France and, and, and the Germany game, um, that seems to turn up on the international stage and is a completely different player when he's playing for his country versus domestically, because he hasn't really had a very prolific goal scoring record in, in, in Germany. I know he was on loan at uh, RB Leipzig um, last season. I think he got 10 goals in, in 22 games. And, and in this season for Bayer Leverkusen, he's got nine in 29. So he's not particularly prolific for, for club. Um, but I mean, on the international stage, he's got 13 in 27 and, and, and four in five um but for the Czech Republic. And I mean, he's still only young, 25. Mm. Um, and I'm, I mean, I remember years ago when he was sort of touted as the, this wonder kid, you know, like there was a lot of, um, you know, media chat around around him. And, and I think he still is young enough to establish himself. And maybe, you know, after, after this tournament can really kick on and, and you know, have a breakout season in, in, in the in, in Bundesliga. I'm going to be the worst sort of person here and I'm going to promote my own work, but... Before the tournament, I spoke to Thomas Rosicki about the Czech team. And mm. he, when I asked him which players he wanted to see a lot from, which he, who he thought would be most important, I obviously assumed he'd say Thomas Suchek, but he actually said Patrick Schick. And he said that everyone in the Czech Republic knows how good Schick is and they know mm. the talent he's got. But 
they're all still waiting for him to put it together mm. and maybe maybe this is a start of something for him because he's only 25 like I said he's still got a lot of time to develop like some strikers don't get going until their late 20s so mm. hopefully this is the start of something else yeah yeah 100% most certainly um, and then just to round off this uh, segment on wonder goals, we have to speak about the uh, Andrew Yomilenko screamer. We've seen him do it time and time again for for Dortmund, for West Ham. You know, cutting it in, cut, cutting in from the right and absolutely driving a, a you know a, a master blaster into the top corner. Um, what were your What were your thoughts on on, on that goal? Like, it, it, you know, in terms of where how how it happened and 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 the time in the game because of course it it halved the deficit um for ukraine and 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 you know helped to build some momentum but it, i mean it just it felt like it came out of nowhere yeah i mean i think we might touch on this briefly when we talk about germany later but like in a tournament football more so than in club football you want big players who will step up in big moments and yarmolenko is a classic what i like to call a moments player like he can disappear from a game for 60, 70 minutes and then he will appear and just smash one into the top corner. And the reason why players like him get big moves and get more and more chances than other players is because they can do things that other players can't do. And that's the category where Yarmolenko falls into. And it was such a pivotal moment for the Ukraine for him to get that goal, to get them back in the game when they really didn't create much at all in, against the Netherlands. The Netherlands are in complete clue, uh, cruise control. And obviously, as we saw, like they started to panic as well once the first goal went in. And I think it's the sort of goal that you could almost just copy and paste it and put it anywhere in Yarmolenko's career, be that playing in the Ukraine, in Dortmund or for West Ham. Like He's just got that ability to cut inside. And I think Deb said it on Monday's pod, like, you know exactly what's coming. It's like Iron Robin, but you can't stop it. Like, it's so difficult to stop. And that's where the great players distinguish themselves. I'm not entirely convinced Yarmolenko is a great player yet, but... He has that ability and he's another one who, if he can put it together on a consistent basis, he could be a lot better than he is now. He's a very similar player to Zed and Shakeri. I think they're moments players. They have all the ability mm-hmm. in the world, but they don't have the consistency. And I think the issue that a player that like Yamalenko and Shakeri has is that they wait for the game to come to them instead of them going and attacking and being aggressive in the game. So I think he's got all the ability in the world. I mean... To score a goal like that just shows how good of a player you are technically. But mm. I think with him, it's more mentally and physically. Is he doing the best things in the game all the time? And for me, it's probably no, because he's mm. got all the ability to be a top-class player, but he just doesn't put it together enough to show us why he should be worth X amount of money. We've seen moments. Again, we will see moments again in the future because he has the ability but consistency is the big question mark for Yarmolenko. But for me, mm. that's just a terrific goal. But that's what we expect from him because mm. we know he's that good. Yeah, yeah. 100%, of course. Um, and so finally, of course, we absolutely need to speak about the, the France-Germany game. For me particularly, it was, you know, it, for, for me, it was, it was certainly the best goal of the, sorry, the best game of the tournament so far. I really, really enjoyed it. It really lived up to my expectations in terms of the pace that the game was played at and, and the quality that we saw um, in that game. And I know I mentioned before when we were speaking about uh, Patrick Schick, you know, he's he's a player that, you know, um, has played, you know, I, I, I suppose a, a, a bit differently into, on the international stage versus for, for his club and, and domestically. 
And that was also a, a debate that was doing the rounds yesterday on, on Twitter in particular uh, for um, players like Paul Pogba um, and Kylian Mbappe. And everyone seems to feel that for France, they are a completely different animal and beast versus, you know, the roles that they play for their clubs domestically. And I wondered if you guys had any thoughts on that before we go and speak about the game um, uh, and drill down to, to what happened and transpired in the game, if you had any thoughts or feelings about how both of those players play for their clubs versus countries. I think it's a bit harsh to, you know, put Kylian, M- Kylian Mbappe in that sort of territory, if I'm being totally honest. He delivers for France and he delivers for his club team. And I think the way the France team you know, set up yesterday. I think it was very similar to PSG, if I'm being totally honest. I think they allowed Germany to control the game and then they got the goal and then they were thinking, you know what, let's sit back and once this game gets stretched, let's put it to bed. And we saw that with a few goals that was ruled as offside Mm -hmm. where they were countering and Germany had no answers for them. As for Paul Pogba, I probably agree with you. I think the French team is set up to get the best out of Paul Pogba, whereas I think Man United are just getting Paul Pogba into their eleven. I think that's the big difference there. And I think he's more comfortable when he's playing for the French national team. He looks around, he sees world-class players. Kylian Mbappe, Angola Conte next to him, sweeping up you know, everything in midfield. So, of course, you're going to be a better player when you're playing with better players. So, mm. I'm not going to sit here and say Paul Pogba is a bad player for Man United. I think he's Man United's probably their best player still with Bruno Fernandes and I think when you put him in the French team he's one of the best players in a great team so of course he's going to look better when he plays for his international team instead of his club team because he's playing with better players and I think the last thing I'll say on France in terms of the game I wasn't too impressed with them yesterday if I'm being totally honest I think Germany were the better team and I think with Germany they lack that clinical edge and I think it goes back to when I was talking about the Champions League and it was PSG versus Bayern Munich, very similar sort of setup in terms of formation, how the teams played the game and the approach. And I think Germany were just missing elite forward to win that game because I think they were a much better team when it came to dominating possession, controlling the tempo of the game. And basically France were just playing in moments. That's what I talked about earlier with moments. Like in tournament football, you want the you want the players to get those big moments right. Yeah. And Germany's big players did not step up. And I actually thought in the big moments, Jürgen Lowe did not step up as well. Yeah. I thought his team selection was poor. I know he's played Serge Gnabry as a false nine before. But I just didn't think that's what's going to trouble this French team. Kempembe and Varane are both not short of pace. So you need to... I would have been tempted to throw Kevin Volland on as a wild card and play him first up. Or even play Thomas Muller as the main striker. Mm. I know he's been playing deeper for Bayern Munich, but I'd have been tempted to play him. If you're going to play a false nine... Play someone with the movement rather than the pace. Because Gnabry's runs were okay, but they weren't great. And he was coming deep a lot. Whereas actually with Thomas Muller, I think you can tell him, I know you want to come deep and be on the ball. Don't do that. Just move about between the two centre-halves and make it difficult for them. Don't let them know where you are. Whereas I think it was always easy for Varane and Kempembe because they could see where Gnabry was. So for me, I think he got that wrong. And I think he should have made a change earlier. I think he waited way too long to make a change. Leroy Sane, I'm not sure that was the right the right change. Like, he's been so poor for Bayern this year. I don't understand why you think all of a sudden it's going to be different. Mm. With someone like Yarmolenko, as we discussed earlier, 
that he comes alive when he plays for the Ukraine. There is a history of him turning up in the big moments for Ukraine. There is not that for Leroy Sané. Yeah, so I just, don't you think he is a moments player again? Well, no, you, he is. You mentioned him moments again. No, no, you're right. He, he, he can, can give you that moment. But he hasn't shown that this season and in the last couple of years for Germany. And I just think that injury has has bothered him a lot more than he's letting on. I think he just needs to... He, I think he'll come good. I'm not saying he's done as a player. But I just think it's taking him a while to get back up to speed from that injury. And I think for Germany, I think if you're going to get anything out of that Portugal game, because let's be honest, that's the must win now. You have to win. Um, you assume they'll take care of business against Hungary, but they, Hungary were a good defensive team for the most part in that game. Against Portugal you've got to figure out a way to get in behind their defenders because it will be a different challenge because Portuguese, the Portuguese defence isn't as quick. Like Diaz isn't slow by any means, but he's not as quick as Ronald Kempembe. So I think that'll be interesting to watch how he does that. Um, but again, I just I, just going back to my my original point, I just think in terms of the big moments, they, they, were, they were caught short. And I think the goal was a perfect example of that. I think they switched off with Luca Hernandez and the ball from Pogba was unbelievable. But they switched off. And then I think, if I'm being brutally honest, if that's Virgil van Dijk, that ball's going out for a throw-in or for a corner. It's not going in the top corner. And I think that's where you fall short a little bit. If you're German. I think that's the issue I had with Germany. I think I said it on the previous show. I don't think Hummels has the physicality to compete at the very top level. And we saw it in the second half when Kylian Mbappe was just saying, you know, I'm going to play on you. I'm going to take you on for pace. And we saw Hummels make a last-ditch tackle when he yeah. was like 30 metres ahead of Kylian Mbappe. And Kylian Mbappe still got the ball ahead of him. But it was in the end, it was great defending. But I don't think that German defence is good enough to hold up against the top teams. And I know Dej is a big fan of Rudiger. But you, can see, you saw him yesterday. He's a player that yeah. can lose his temper. I mean, yeah. sometimes the occasion can a bit, be He looks a bit hungry as well. He looks a bit hungry. But that's why he plays so well for Chelsea, because he's next to two of the most experienced players in Europe, in Cesar yeah. Spilicueta and Thiago Silva. And Silva's a great example of how it doesn't matter if your legs go, if your brain's still there, mm. you can still be a great defender at the top level. And Hummels just doesn't seem as sharp mentally. Like, he's just not... He doesn't seem as aware as what's going on on the pitch. Whereas you look at Thiago Silva, he knows what's happening before it happens. And he's three steps ahead of the opposition, whereas Hummels is playing catch-up all the time. Yeah, but, but I've never seen Hummels as one of the best defenders in the world. I think he's an amazing ball-playing centre-back in terms of distributing the ball, stepping out from defence. But even at his prime, I don't necessarily think he was one of the best actual defenders in the world. Whereas Thiago Silva, he's a defend-first kind of guy. Yes, he's fantastic on the ball, but he makes sure he defends first. And I don't think that's Hummels, if I'm being totally honest. That might be where they're falling short. And they need maybe someone, mm. like, I don't know, maybe like a Nicolas Sule or something. Just someone who's going to come in and be more about winning the ball. And then like, if you need to get rid of it, just get rid of it. Like, it's not an issue. And like, that was one of the things that surprised me about the Germans, where they didn't go long more often. There was a lot of clearances, but there wasn't a lot, a lot of long balls. And if you're playing Gnabry, you might as well test it and see if you can get them into the channels. But yeah, I think they need to make a de- they need to make a decision about how they're going to play and who they're going to play because it just looks like a mismatch at the moment. I think just just last note on Germany. I think tactically, I think the system was wrong. I don't see how you can fit Havertz and Thomas Muller into the same team because I think they take up very similar positions. So I think you have to go with one of them and probably bring in a Sane or a Timo Werner from the start. Yeah. I think the only other thing I wanted to add to this is is that uh, Pogba and Kante uh, partnership has certainly been very fruitful for France. 
Uh, don't quote me on the on, on on the numbers, but I think in in they've not lost a game that they've played together. I think there's 22 wins and six draws in that, but they've never lost um, when they both played together. So I think there's a, there's quite a few um, Chelsea fans who are um, you know interested after seeing that stat to, to potentially um, push for a, a, a swap um, and and having uh, Pogba join them uh, at Stamford Bridge. Uh, I mean, we've seen crazier things happen. Who's to say it can't? We'll have to wait and see. What I like um, about the... Um, what, sorry, just quickly on that. What I like about the French midfield and why I think this is... We, we talked about France for ages. We know they're going to be the favourites to win this. But the French midfield can play in different ways. I really like that. If they need to play it short and keep the ball and waste a bit of time, they can do that. If they need to drive and bring the ball forward, they can do that. And if they need to hit it over the top to get their runners in behind, they can do that. And I think there aren't any other midfielders that can do everything they do. It's what we talked about on the pod on Monday. We're worried, we were worried about the Italy midfield. Can they stand up? I can't mm-hmm. see the Italy midfield living with the France midfield right now. And yeah. I think I think everyone's talking about Mbappe and Benzema, and that's great. But that midfield is going to be what wins it for France. Yeah, 100%. 100%. Very, very exciting. Of course, that was only the, 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 the first round of fixtures. Um, and so, of course, uh, we've, we've got the, the, you know, the rest of the tournament to look forward to. And, and as we said already, you know, if, if the first round is anything to go by, then we are really going to be in for, for a lot of entertainment um, throughout this tournament. So we're going to leave it there and we're going to wrap up. Thank you very much, gents, for sharing your thoughts and views on each of the topics that we covered in this uh, particular episode. We'll be back again, guys. Thank you very much for listening in and tuning in up until this point in time. And we are going to catch you guys on the next episode. Until then, over and out. Mom deserves the best. And there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market confidence starts with loving who you are and when your skin feels nourished and glows on the outside you naturally radiate confidence from the inside give your skin a glow up with osea's clinically proven mega moisture duo this ultra hydrating body care features two of osea's best sellers undaria algae body oil and undaria collagen body lotion these seaweed powered heroes use skincare level ingredients normally reserved for your face for results you can see and confidence you can feel Osea has been making clean, clinically proven seaweed-infused face and body care products for over 28 years. This luxurious skincare is vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Glow from the inside out. Get 10% off your first order with code GLOW at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A-Malibu.com, code GLOW.